0: Join Hanson Scotty Friday at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy for the Utah Snowmobile Show. See the latest in sleds, trailers, and gear. Big weekend for Utah and BYU. The football team's gearing up for huge games for the Utes. First place in the Pac-12 South on the line at Arizona State for BYU. Couple of five and one teams squaring off, future conference opponents. As BYU will join the Big Twelve in another two seasons, it'll be playing Baylor every year. Is this the week we find out how good BYU and Utah really are?
1: Uh, well, Yach, man. Yak just has some mojo by playing Jimmy Eat World, a band that was founded in Mesa, Arizona. All oh, the Sun Devils are going to win. It's in the cards.
0: <laughs> they also so happened to be in town last night for a concert.
1: Jimmy Eat World. I don't know. That's a lot to eat. You know, maybe half the world, but if you're going to eat the entire world. Hey, don't write yourself off yet. From Arizona, my friends. Arizona's just invading the Wasatch Front this week.
0: But will they leave with the victory? Will they leave with first place in the Pac-12
1: South? Arizona State. Right. Did Jimmy Eat World? They left with the victory. It's a harbinger of things to come. Aha! (laughs) Jimmy Eat World, you think of this, you know, alternative punk band, and they've been around for almost 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Don't remind me. Yeah, I think they started like 1994 or something, and they were rebels. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Okay, time goes by; time just blows by. Jimmy Eat World is already—they're uh, approaching their thirtieth decade or their third decade uh, as uh, an entertainment act and still going. Good for them. Good, good to hear that. But yeah, this is a huge opportunity for the Utes to really assert themselves. Uh, in a sense. They haven't proven anything, even though they're 2-0. and And this will go a long way towards saying, yep, you have proved something. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday, and, and you were off, and I wanted to go have the discussion with you uh, to see what you think about it because it's such a big deal that I think it can uh, linger on for a second day, the discussion they're in, for sure, because people say, oh, wow, they proved last week. Eh, not so much. I mean, that, that, that was a beaten team. The Trojans, they're not playing for anything.
0: 100%. It was Utah's best win, without question. And we just had that Kyle Whittingham bite about 10 minutes ago. The offense looked much better. But there are clearly better teams than USC out there on their schedule. USC's three conference losses, underline that.
1: I mean, who doesn't put 40 on SC's defense?
0: <laughs> Everybody who goes into the Coliseum does that. Really,
1: Stanford, check. Right. Oregon State, yeah. Check. So you can say it's their best win. Actually, I view it's it's their better win because I don't count Weber State. Of course you're supposed to win. So you only really got two to choose from. So it's a better win than Washington State, sure. And certainly if you get this one Saturday and there's no reason why you don't, then it'll be your best win. Is this
0: the week we find out how good BYU and Utah really are? As much as there can be a week... I'll go with this. You're judged on all 12 games. So I don't know that any one win is going to establish no, that. I mean, you've got to I follow do. it up no. with more.
1: Right. But if you get this win, then we will all expect them to get those wins. Whereas if they don't get this win, then we're not so sure Absolutely going into each week. So I, I disagree with that. Any one win can set the tone for your season. Yes, you have to follow it up, but it can set the tone as far as who you are and what's the level of the quality of your team. So I disagree completely that any one win can't do it. But yes, if they, in this situation, it can.
0: But if they beat ASU and then they lose to Oregon State, which could happen, and going into UCLA, we're going to have all the same
1: questions all over again. Right, but then that's the point, is that they're expected to win. Whereas if they win, if they lose, then we don't know if they're expected to win. That's the point I'm making. So, yeah, sure, doesn't guarantee anything, but it's about setting the level of expectation. You've proven now that you're a quality team. You can beat a ranked team. You haven't come close to beating a ranked team. You, You only played one, and you lost. So now you get another shot at it. And see what you can do here. And, and San Jose State's ranked now, too, so they weren't at the time, but they are now. So the two teams that have been, were, or are ranked, you lost to. So this is gigantic. And then if you win, then you're expected to win next week. And then at that point, you get there, and then you're you are ranked. And then it's Katie, bar the door. Good night, Irene. See you later, Sally. Of course they would beat UC Los Angeles at that point. Absolutely they would. Come on.
0: Is this the week we find out how good BYU and Utah really are? Ryan says, nope, that was last weekend. No, that wasn't, Ryan. What the hell did you
1: do that hasn't been done multiple times?
0: He's a Ute, and he just wants to get after BYU-PK. Yeah, I don't know, think he he's loves, making a serious he, point. Yeah,
1: I've, I've seen his stuff out there. Nope, beating a crappy SC team, we're going to run around, that's the big deal? We beat our rival that they don't even acknowledge your existence, let alone whether you're a rival? Uh, and you're, you're the third team to go in that venue and hammer them. whoop de do?
0: Eldon says, we find that out every week. Why should this one be special? I already told you. (laughs) Pay
1: attention to what I tell you. Baylor, best team left on BYU's schedule. Uh, I don't know that. We talked about that possibly. Yes, I made that point. But you were gone yesterday, so I want to get your thought on that so you can say that. But before we leave uh, Utah and SC, if you lose to ASU, that's another thing. You couldn't beat BYU and then you couldn't beat the team that BYU beat? Oh, maroon, maroon. <laughs> Baylor could be the best team on BYU's schedule. Don't know enough about them. Do know that they play a tough schedule.
0: Well, USC's a mess. And... Washington State has been up and down. Now, you could argue the Washington State, with their quarterback back, that they are really going to get it rolling. And maybe in a month, everyone will be talking about Washington State very differently because they'll make themselves impossible to ignore. You know, are they going to build on that Oregon State win? Or is it going to be up
1: and down for them? What you don't want is to have to beat Virginia on a last-second field goal because that's the only way Virginia wins these days. <laughs> is the other team misses the last second, literal last play field goal, and then Virginia won, wins. I think that's how they won their last couple of ball games. So you certainly don't want that.
0: Miami and Louisville on the road. They skate both times. Yeah, how about that? You want to beat them by 20 like Wake and North Carolina did. Thump them.
1: Freaking uh, Bronco Mendenhall's field goal defense has been awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And that could be a tough game, too.
0: It could be, but I would think that going to Baylor would be tougher than waiting for Virginia to come cross-country in the middle of their conference season and play you in front of your packed stadium at Elevation.
1: Sure, but that could be a tough game. It may not be tougher, but it could right. still be a tough game.
0: Agreed. Could be. I mean,
1: I, yeah, I, the schedule is good enough to where it has intrigue. You know, Georgia Southern and Ohio State, okay, not so much, but... The other, the other games at least have some level of intrigue. And I believe SC, particularly if Jackson Dart is playing, can give them a shot in the arm and uh, something we'll have to see as he progresses from the, what was it, the knee injury that he had in this one time when he played against uh, Washington State. So they may have some revitalization there at that point. Remains to be seen. But nevertheless, the task at hand, this is a big-time game. Baylor's 5-1. and one. You know, the only loss they have is to, what, an 11th or 12th ranked Ohio, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State,
0: who's undefeated yeah. and looks good. Who's
1: undefeated, right. so come on. And, and, and
0: the Iowa State wins a good win.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like love. Any win's a good win. Any love is good love. So I took what I could get. So you got that thing going on there. And they need to go on the road a real true road game, you know, they played a Utah State in-state game. This is going to be in foreign territory where they're going to be in a couple of years, so big time game for them. They need to bounce back cuz that was not a good performance. They give credit to the Utes. The Utes have bounced back. You know, they didn't pack it in. They bounced back. That's what's exciting about them is that they did bounce back after a miserable non-conference and it wasn't the best game that they played against Washington State, but they still managed to get it. And then Utah or SC, they rolled them. And sure, Utah or SC, I don't know why I keep saying Utah State, but SC sucked. So what do you do against a team that sucks? You hammer them. And they did. They took the life right out of them, made them quit, as Kyle once said in the locker room. Yeah. They did do that. So there should be all sorts of optimism for them. BYU needs a bounce back game because. Obviously, that was their worst performance of the season. Uncharacteristic. Did not see that coming. Don't prove to me that you can rally. Because virtually every season is going to have some level of negative and some level of adversity. It's what you do. It's happened to Ohio State and Alabama. So why shouldn't it happen to BYU, right? And When you look at it from that perspective, I mean, two of the best, if not the best programs that we have in college football right now, they've both suffered a loss And so we'll see what Alabama does here because their loss was last week. Ohio State has just gone out and pulverized everybody that they've played since then, conference opponents that weren't expected to be as good, but nevertheless they creamed them if you go look at the scores. So what's going to happen to BYU now? What do you got? Now's the time. Things are going well, sure. Everybody can be front runners. That's the easiest thing in the world to do. What do you do when it's not that way? How do you rebound? Jaron Hall's ready to go. Aaron Roderick talking about him being 100% healthy. And with that's a great opportunity because he needs to use his legs to be able to help the team win because he's an incredible athlete. And so not just the passer. He can throw the ball for sure, but he's got to use all the skills that he has. And why we didn't see that very much against Boise. I think against Baylor he's going to need to do that. So I'm excited for them to see what they got.
0: One thirty for Baylor and BYU. A couple of five and one teams, and ten and two is in play for BYU. Double digit win seasons always sound good.
1: Oh, they absolutely do. There's just no question about that, and that gives them even more momentum. And they're getting guys. I understand Ben Moa's kid flipped from Utah to BYU. Uh, whatever that means, I, I don't. I don't. Never seen the kid play, but I heard that. And I think Dick Harmon wrote about it. as where I saw it in the Deseret News. And so that's giving them momentum. That's the thing about it, man. You're never just playing for now. You're always playing for down the road, too, to build some momentum. And they've built some momentum. For a while there, they didn't have any momentum. For a while there, it wasn't cool to go to BYU. No. Why would you want to do that? They're a middling program and uh, playing in a middling bowl game that they know they're going to play in after their first loss, and we've heard all those negatives. Well, those are all gone now, right? You're building some big-time momentum. Keep it going. If you find a way to win 10 ball games this season after last year and you play seven P5 teams, we can't go, yeah, but. The proverbial, yeah, but, that BYU's always had to deal with, that's out the window. And then you return a lot of guys going the next season. You bring a ton of momentum going into the Big 12 in 2023 if you can take care of business this year. Because if you get 10 wins this year, then I can logically conclude that next year will be pretty good, too. Thirty right.
0: makes sense. Thirty wins in three years going into the Big Twelve—nice round number. Are they going to win? Can ask more. For, ask for more. Uh, you may well get more,
1: right? but thirty—I don't wins think you can ask for more. Uh, if you have thirty wins in three years going into the conference, I sign off on that. Every single time, yes, that means you have some losses along yes, the way.
0: But you're going to have losses along the way. Exactly. I mean, it's to your point is like, okay, Ohio State and Alabama lost games. You got to bounce back. Clemson lost. They don't lose very often, and then they lost the second game. You know, they haven't solved their offensive issues. Now your issues are different than their issues. Your issues were putting the, were turning the ball over, putting it on the ground, and not getting any takeaways. It's not just the fumbles, although those are the glaring moments. But when you're good. You're getting the takeaways, and you didn't get any in that game. So it's the two things. Stop giving it away and start taking it away again. Yeah. But I think 30 wins in three years, those are big round numbers. Recruits will like the way that sounds. The fan base will be packing the stadium. You'll have the game day environment that you want for that game and to recruit the next round of guys. And it's, it's within reach. And they're 16-2 in their last 18, even with that disappointment last weekend.
1: Right. Because it stands to reason Bronco Mendenhall had four double-digit win seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Right at the end there. And yeah. then they go into independence. and They sort of were – they dropped off. There's no question. Some seasons were a big drop-off. Others weren't quite as but good. But there was no doubt it was a drop, and there was a negative vibe around the program because your own coach was saying independence isn't sustainable. And then he got out. He didn't get out exclusively for that reason. There was a bunch of reasons he got out and good for him. Uh, But it's not like he was enthralled with independence. He'd made that known. Right. He made that known in an interview, I think, most uh, right off the bat, uh, most notably with the Austin American statesman. And then everybody picked up on it. And here Kalani's hired as an knowing you're independent, and the program, a uh, nice season, and then not so much. Now, stands to reason, if you can pull off three double-digit win seasons as an independent, your recruiting is only going to increase. It, it, there's no way it decreases. There's just no way. And then you can hit the ground running. So these games, they're not just important for now. They're important for down the line.
0: Coming up, Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, is going to join us at 8.30. David Smoke, host on Sikkim 365 Radio, will join us at 9.05, and we will find out more about the Baylor Bears and the big game this weekend. Bowler is coming up next with the preseason games in the books and the regular season starting at home with Oklahoma City on Wednesday. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 to zone.
2: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know I was babysat until 8th grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school. And Dolores? Her husband. Yeah.
0: Look how he got like 220 <laughs> pound 8th grade hands. Well, can we not focus with... on that? You're like, like hi right, Dolores. Hi Hans. I think it's funny the thought of a 8th grade Hans Olson probably pushing two bills. sending
2: <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys let me know when you're done so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways, her
0: husband Don liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch watching MASH. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Don, can... can I borrow your shaver?
2: <laughs> Catch Hands and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
0: Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! We're going with blood, sweat, and tears now.
1: <laughs> Jimmy Eat World of blood, sweat, and tears.
0: You never know what Yach's going to do. You just never know. He doesn't tell us. We just hear what we hear. He's doing his own thing. So, PK, yesterday you hit one of my favorite topics while I wasn't here. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen?
1: Uh, what led to donuts, that? Because uh, Riley Jensen... I had asked him, "Hey, I said you want to come in because DJ has some personal stuff he's got to take care of." And he said he's really swamped. He's got professional responsibilities and in earlier in the morning, one of the things he had with his young daughter was daddy-daughter donut day at school. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so that led to on. a discussion
0: on donuts obviously in my wheelhouse.
3: <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, you like to have some fun, and he's a great guy to talk to. He knows sports and he knows the psychological aspect of it because that's where his training is. And then, so we went through all that. Very good interview. Go listen to it at twelve eighty the dot com. And then I asked him uh, about his favorite donut, and I came down with uh, what do I have uh, glazed uh, jelly or chocolate. Yeah. Put it on Twitter, and of course, you could have the most interesting uh, <laughs> sports, sports broadcasting ever. take ever. And yeah, that's nice. But once you bring up something stupid, you get all sorts <laughs> of responses. It must have been 70, 80 responses.
0: One of them was mine. Chocolate people. I heard the Maple Bar discussion. I could walk right past a Maple Bar. It doesn't bother me at all. Nope. So you ain't in a, you, not <laughs> so interested. Not, not interested. You're not going to get a cougar tail down at BYU. That's what mm. we're going to say. saying. Not interested. Okay. <laughs> Cougar tails, of Maple Bar? A gigantic, like, oversized one. Nope. Not doing it. For whatever reason, my dad was very into donuts. He had a couple of good donut shops, and so my, my not donuts goes to him, to right? Yeah. And he used to love the bear claws. And I had some of those, and I'm like, yeah, I don't get that. I don't get that. Jelly feels good. I'd be right there for that. But chocolate is probably my first pick. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone, and it's time to bring in the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bowlerjack. He is on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Let's get Bowler in for some donut talk.
3: Bowler, oh. how are you? Oh, donuts. Yeah. You guys, see. in the Midwest, we call those caramel long johns. What? Yeah.
0: What?
3: What? I've never heard yeah. that. You never heard of a long john?
0: No. I don't know what you're talking about.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Is that like a, so a maple bar would be a caramel long john? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'd walk yeah. past that too then. <laughs> you can have mine, Bowler. Not my thing.
3: Uh, Let's see. I like the old fashioned. Yeah.
0: I'll fight you over that.
3: Yep. I'd go for that in a big time, and if it's a good uh, apple fritter, it has to be kind of done right. You yeah. know, uh, I'd go for an apple fritter, old fashioned Long John, and uh, an apple fritter. <laughs> long John, that's classic.
0: <laughs> All right, Bullet, let's uh, let's talk a little Utah Jazz basketball. I think there are. Uh, Two questions in my mind, but other people probably have others. There's, there's two that jump out of me. One could not be answered because Rudy Gay can't go yet until he recovers from the heel surgery. How much he'll be used, how he'll be used uh, in combination with which other players, how often will they go small. All those questions we can just push down the road. We'll get to them later when he can play. Then the other thing is, man, Butler looks good. Who does he play with? How often does he play? Does he play when Conley is out? Does anyone else get minutes when Conley is out? How do those shift around? What is the immediate future for Butler in the Jazz rotation? I don't know that we have answers, but we can at least have semi-educated guesses, even if they're wrong. What's your semi-educated guess?
3: Well, the semi-educated guess would be that he would be in the second unit rotation at the moment. Trent Forrest, before the concussion on Monday night, uh, with battling Jared Butler for some of those minutes or those minutes as well. But with uh, you know Trent out under the NBA concussion protocol, I mean, the door opens for Jared Butler and he's taking advantage of and showing what really why he's an NCAA champion and let, uh, let the Baylor Bears to the title. I'm impressed. I mean, in the three games he's played, um, he's done about everything that you could imagine a rookie could do. I like the fact Last night, uh, he led Utah back uh, after trailing by eight down the stretch, and uh, the Jazz were able to, to rally back and grab a four-point win. And during that time, uh, Budenholzer really went with his starters most of the second half while the Jazz set uh, Mike and Donovan Rudy and Royce and Bogdanovich. So hats off to the younger, younger players uh, to, to really just refocus and bounce back and get a win last night uh, because it was their game in the second half.
1: So can we say that Jared Butler has demanded and earned playing time and that he must
3: receive it? Well, that's Quinn's, Quinn's ultimate decision. But for my chair, I mean, I think what everyone has seen is that he's a talented guy. Hard to, You know what it does, PK, is he has worked hard enough to show I think most of us or all of us that he deserves time. So um, the way he ran, I mean, the offense last night and just was able to stay cool and calm and do his thing and help the team. Uh, You know, we interviewed him after the game last night and, you know, he made it very clear that he he feels like he's earned the the right, um, I mean, 18 points and seven assists. He fouled out. I'm not mistaken, what was it, the last couple of minutes of the ball game. So Macy Oteague, his, his college uh, teammate, had to kind of take over and continue the, the quest of getting the win. But, you know, he averaged 19 points, nearly 19 points in the preseason in the three games. And, I mean, you guys saw what I saw. He seems to have play at his own pace. Uh, he made it very clear last night that he understands he has to continue to get his teammates involved. I thought he did a good job overall. Um, and he's got a nice shot. Uh, he seems to, again, play with a chip on his shoulders, he told us, uh, because of health concerns. he slipped down to 40 in the draft, and the Jazz are right there to take him. And I, uh, I've i been impressed with the way he's played and, what he, and the way he's handled himself so far.
0: So if the Jazz stay healthy... The yep. rotation is largely set. We know who these guys are, with the exception of, you know, what will Butler be like in the regular season and how exactly does Rudy Gay fit. But we kind of have an idea in those. But if they do go through a series of injuries, which happens to multiple teams, there are other people that will need to be called on. Nobody's red in here, as Jerry Sloan once said. Their check's clear on the 1st and 15th. <laughs> if... If circumstances demand it and they got to go way down the bench, is somebody like Hughes ready to contribute over the course of a week, a month, whatever situations you know dictate? We've heard a lot about kind of a lost year for guys, young guys uh, depending on their draft class, first, second year guys, who should be developing. And then COVID, it was just odd with no G League to develop and fewer games and all that kind of stuff. Where is Hughes right now?
3: I think he's made a jump, but you make a great point. I think uh, Azubuki and Hughes and uh, and others lost a lot of, you know, a lot of play-in time. Azubuki, of course, uh, had the ankle injury in the G League bubble and basically lost a year, uh, his rookie year. So, um, you know, I think he's still developing. The beauty of it is the Jazz have White Whiteside who's slowly adapting to a new system, which gives – Doak, the opportunity to continue to develop, but that's what you know. That's the direction that Jazz feels best for him. I think Hughes is is proven a lot about size, shooting ability. Uh, there's another guy that's kind of jumped down at, and, and spurts, and, and Malik Fitz uh, has that NBA look at 6'8", about two twenty five. Played at St. Mary's. Um, yeah, I think there's two or three players, and Trent Forrest is in that group as well, who played really well in the summer league. Uh, and in Vegas, uh, not only in Salt Lake, but in in Vegas as well. So I think depth is what the Jazz went after. I think they got it. Uh, I think there's a couple of intriguing young players there that could jump on the floor and help if needed. But you make a great point, D.J. It is about health. It's about health for the Lakers and the Suns and Chris Paul, who was healthy during that finals run last year. Can he stay healthy? Can Mike's hamstring, uh, you know, not flare up as he you know, said he's been doing yoga and hot Bikram, uh, all the above trying to change or strengthen his body as he gets older. But you saw what happened uh, with Donovan and Mike's problems in the second round from first to second round. And, you know, everyone talks about, well, what if, well, you can't live in the past. I mean, I think the jazz have gone have already worked past that and are pushing ahead to make this a special year. And let's hope it happens. I mean, This is a special group, and they all talked about it the last few days about the window. Uh, You know, it does open for a while, and it's still open wide. Um, You know, there's a lot of talent there. And uh, if you can stay healthy, I think the Jazz will be right in the mix of it all.
1: People look towards the Lakers as being a contender, a lot of star power, obviously older star power, and it's a team that is new because they're adding a bunch of pieces, and obviously Westbrook is a major one. So uh, if them, are not necessarily they're exclusively a competitor to the Jazz to get the best uh, seed in the West, I don't think so. I think the Suns are there, and we'll see about some other teams, too, down the road. It's a long season. But the point I'm making is you listen to LeBron, you listen to Westbrook, and they're talking about, hey, they're going to need some adjustment time, and I buy that completely because I don't think you can just get guys together, roll out the ball, and away you go. Now, from the Jazz perspective, how much do you think they can take advantage of the Lakers needing time because the Jazz, with the core returning, should be able to get off to a pretty good start?
3: Yeah, I totally agree with the analogies of um, the, uh, the, the old guys, right? Um, you know, PK, I think, too, their biggest issue is the transition of multiple players and different, uh, different styles of play. Where's Westbrook and his leadership? I just don't know how that's going to work out. And does Anthony Davis buy into to Westbrook? Uh, I don't know. It's going to be it's the storyline in the West, in my opinion, to start the season. And to your point, Utah's got to play a lot of road, road games early. But um, teams that have – and Sloan used to talk about this too and the likes of John and Carl and that core they had for such a long time. They usually got off to good starts and they pad – their ability, if they struggle or or you know have an injury or two uh, in the in those days, uh, how the how you overcome it with depth and getting back to DJ's point, I think the Jazz have set themselves up with even Pascal showing his ability to to, to adjust and actually has shown some three point ability uh, in the preseason, which I didn't know if he had or not, uh, but he understood. I remember he told us that he had to hit threes to fit into this into this team, and so far so good, but. It's about the road. You know, the road is is staring the Jazz right in the face despite the fact they get a home opener against OKC. But, you know, you get one in Sacramento. Then you go to Houston, uh, who's a total rebuild. Chicago has new faces. I'm looking. Then a a road game at Milwaukee. You come home for one, and then you go to Atlanta, Miami, Orlando. And then you start to really flatten out and get a ton of home games uh, throughout the month of November. So you get through that opener And you get a couple of games above 500, and then you take advantage of the home crowd, which is the best in the NBA, according to the GM survey, and I can't argue that. That's where you have to take advantage, PK, of of the core, right? You you own your home floor, as the Jazz did most of last year, and then make a run and go. I mean, that's kind of the way it should be, and I think it will be.
0: So when we look around the West, you know, there's a lot of teams that could evolve and we don't know what's going to happen, the trade deadline. But what about, and I know the Lakers are the storyline, but what about the other team in L.A.? They're the ones who knocked the Jazz out of the playoffs. Yeah. And Locke did tell us all during the year he thought about how good he thought the Clippers were. Now, ultimately, they didn't get to the finals either. But I think to his bigger point about how they match up with the Jazz... I don't, I don't think that's changed. I mean, you can say they're missing their star player Kawhi Leonard, but they're missing their star player Kawhi Leonard in games five and six when the cool. series was 2-2 and on the line, and they got the two wins they needed and they sent the Jazz home. So from the Jazz fan perspective, isn't this still about the Clippers until we see them get over that hurdle?
3: Well, you know – DJ, I think, too, for for the fan base is that they see the changes that Justin Zanuck made in the offseason to, to be able to battle that type of small-ball approach. And, you know, that's what I'm anxious to see is how it works out. You make a point earlier about Rudy Gay. I mean, there that's the question that I have is where is he at uh, in his career and how does he fit in the Jazz scheme? Uh, he's gone through multiple walkthroughs, and I think he adjusts. You know, I think he'll make the adjustment. But, you know, is he a combo, defensive, offensive uh, player? He has that ability, but he's also long and play some, can still play some D, which is why the Jazz, you know, even Eric Paschal is the same thing. You know, he's a big body at six six and 265 and can, can move better than I thought. So, you know, there's options. I don't think the Jazz had that many options last year. And I I think it really flared up and showed itself in that second round series with the Clippers. Uh, Can they compete with LA? They're good. Kawhi, I doubt we see him. I mean, even though they say it's a partial tear of the ACL, it's still an ACL. And with his star power, you don't rush anybody back. And we know his history, right, in San Antonio. So, um, yeah, there's every night. You made you you made the, the, uh, the comment about the Suns. They're good. They're really good. And if Chris Paul stays healthy, they're real real good. If not, they just become kind of a a dangerous team on some given nights. But Chris Paul was healthy throughout the year, which I didn't think he would be, Uh, but he got through the playoffs, which is a rarity. And Dallas is another team that kind of intrigues me just if Perzingis can stay healthy, which he's never been able to do to compliment Doncic, who's an incredible, you know, incredible player as we know. So, you know, there's there's multiple teams out there. In the West, they're in Portland. I don't know. You know what? If Portland doesn't make a move, you may see that Damian Lillard may may move right before the trade deadline. That'll be something to keep an eye on with the Blazers. But I still think the Jazz are are, are built now much better than they were just a short time ago. And not a knock on George Niang or, or Derek Favors, but uh, if Hassan Whiteside can adjust, they've got two of the you know the two of the best. Uh, or the best uh, rim protectors in the NBA. So their defense stays solid. Hopefully Hassan uh, can find some offensive bounce at the rim. And how about Rudy's uh, 15-foot jumper last night? Wow, I about fell out of my chair. But I've seen him do it <laughs> in practice. Uh, I've seen him hit threes. So we'll see where, <laughs> see, see where that takes us, right? So as you said, the storylines are lining up already. And the first one I think we do look at is that Laker team. And can they coexist? Multiple personalities. Um, and, West, and to me, Russell Westbrook is the one that intrigues me the most. Can he actually – he didn't get along, uh, obviously, uh, in Houston. And, you know, Washington was a quick stop pit. Um, I just don't know how LeBron and AD will be able to handle him. We'll see. We'll see.
1: So you got a week off before they play. Do you know what their schedule is going to be?
3: Today's a day off, and I think they just start, you know, getting back and staying in shape, PK. I mean, I weeks, you know, you think about a couple of days is a good thing. A week off uh, is, is longer than you think at times, especially when you keep your body in shape and NBA ready. But I think Quinn's got a plan. Again, uh, sometimes the day is, you know, take what you need, meaning work on what you need to do. And I think the Jazz will have a few of those. They'll probably run through some weekend practices. They have to make some cuts. Uh, and then, you know, get at what they want to do and the rotations that Quinn Snyder wants to do. One thing Quinn, I thought, did a great job in, in the preseason, despite their 2-2 two and two, and they lost their first, road, two, first two road games. Well, I think each player uh, that the Jazz brought in actually got a, a really good shot showing what they could do. And sometimes players come into camp only as, you know, practice players. But most of these guys, all of them, were, were able to get on the floor and at least have a shot to show the Jazz what they could do. And I, I, I'm sure they were happy about that. Uh, that's where the, the Malik Fitz young man uh, actually, I think, turned a few heads as well. And he's got that body, uh, DJ and PK, that you talk about in small ball at 6'8". That's kind of where the league is. Uh, that's kind of where they're going, where it's positionless basketball. But he's uh, he's turned a few heads, and that's, that's what you want. You want a coach and a coaching staff and an organization to take a look at the young players that come in and give them an actual shot of uh, showing what they can do.
0: Well, Bowler, we appreciate the time. What's the maple bar called? What did I learn today? Uh, it's a Caramel
3: Long John.
0: Caramel Long John. All right. Well, yeah, so when I
3: was you. a kid, you know, my mom would go to the grocery store and say, Hey, I'm home. And she'd bring in old fashions and bring in the Caramel Long John. I always used, And they used to have cream filling in it. You are know, like an icing. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> And the old fashioned was one of those that if you know, you know, you dunk that in a, a little milk, yeah, and then yeah. you know, you sit back and go watch your morning cartoons, and man, you're you're ready to roll. Life is good, right? Life was real good, yeah. All the right, Flintstones, pull. The Jetsons, you know, Scooby Doo. Oh, the other one was Johnny Quest.
0: No, then Johnny Quest blew. That was terrible. I couldn't get it. You didn't like Johnny Quest? No, no. Scooby Doo was my brother, son. Uh, the classics, Scooby-Doo. man. Dad had watched the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour with me. That was great. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Roadrunner, I felt bad for the old uh, Coyote, man. He yeah. went over the cliff every time, but he always got back up.
0: Always think about him when the Spurs come to town. Well, more likely when they go to the Spurs. That's when I agree. The yeah, yeah. All Absolutely. right. We'll see you, Bowler. We appreciate right, it. Talk man, to you next donuts. week. Enjoy the day. All right. Next time we talk to Craig Bowler Jack, the season will be underway. We talk to him morning after the season opener next Wednesday night against Oklahoma City. All right, DJ PK, David Smoke, host of Sikkim 365 Radio. He is going to join us in 15 minutes to talk BYU and Baylor. We are getting a lot of feedback about the Jazz, new unis, new colors. People are weighing in. We will tell you what they are saying next. And, and hit it right, hit the nail right on the head. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.
2: Red, 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 ready, ready. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Hey, hey. The Utes return to Rice-Eccles Stadium for a big Pac-12 showdown against Arizona State. As the Utes hope to keep their dreams of a Pac-12 title alive, listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game, and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at seven, with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Football Friday is presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Question of the morning The Jazz Gonna be wearing Black and white What do you think? Who cares? Can't even watch the games Thanks Dish Nate sent that in earlier That is getting a ton of likes A lot of people Priority one Seeing the game Oh for sure
1: That would suck If you don't have it Absolutely
0: Bart says What do I think? Not much But maybe it's time For a change Seems like something we get about every uh, five years-ish.
1: Yeah, I think the bigger thing is that Ryan Smith is willing to take some chances, do some different things, and I think that bodes well because I think that you know they have some disadvantages being in Salt Lake. I think those disadvantages are dropping by the day, and that may be an exaggeration, but just give me some poetic license here for a minute. And with him being an owner who is willing to be cutting edge, that bodes well for the team remaining to be competitive because you can have all the whistles and balloons and strings or whatever that phrase is. Bells
0: and is. whistles is what Bells you're looking whistles. for. Yeah, thank
1: you. You can have all that <laughs> balloons stuff. Balloons and strings. Yeah, I, I, I like know what it. it was. I didn't was. I you was know, if searching. you have a
0: string and no balloon and you have balloon and no string, you're in trouble.
1: Well, then you don't have either. I mean, you, you can have a string, but if you don't have the balloon on the end of it, it's up in the sky. And then the dolphins are in trouble, and we don't want that. So what we want is this team to be competitive as many years as possible as you can go. You know, with the statues, they made the playoffs, what, 19, 20 years in a row, whatever it was. And some of those years you were more competitive, just simply making the playoffs doesn't make you competitive to win the title. But I think that's everyone's goal. And I think that's Ryan Smith's goal, too, It's part of his what he envisions happening here. Uh, but I think that the willing to do creative stuff is only going to help Doesn't mean you're gonna hit a home run on all of them. By any stretch, doesn't mean that at all. But the product on the floor is what counts the most. And I and I think that young players are gonna be drawn to that. And they still gotta draft them and and do all those things, but then you gotta retain them. And so you gotta have your ducks in a row. And if you have that, then you're doing the right thing repeatedly. That leads to success out on the floor. It's the old uh, thing. Was it two summers ago now with the uh, uh, last dance? and the players win the win the titles or the ownership does, mm-hmm. well, I think both are right. I think you have to have both. You can't have one without the other. You have to have the management who gets the players, and then it's up to the players to get it done for sure. So I think, in a sense, I don't really care what their colors are. They can do whatever they want. I wasn't born and raised here, so I don't have any attachment to any logo or whatnot. I have a big attachment to the success on the floor, and i think that with him willing to go out uh, go out on the limb i don't even know if that's the right thing to say but willing to try stuff bodes well for the ultimate objective which is to be competitive on the floor
0: well i think that when you move that debate uh, to its most important sphere because there you know there's lots of things uh, but i think the biggest thing in the nba is the trade when you have a very good team and you have one of the top two three four teams in the league but you don't have the number one team will you make the bold trade and risk everything it might drop you to eight it might raise you up to number one and this has been a team that really hasn't rolled the dice that often and when they have made the trade it was a slam dunk i don't know maybe jordan clarkson is that going too far was jordan clarkson a slam dunk Oh no! Was a little it downside. turned out to be that might be a better example, even though they were trading a rotation guy for a rotation guy, as opposed to trading a starter for a starter, which I think to, you know you'd have to go way back to find that. Well, they
1: gave up a number five pick. Those are precious. Yes, but the but he number was five pick didn't work. Yeah. But Clarkson worked and is working. Yes, obviously you make that trade a hundred percent of the times. All right, DJ and PK, it's
0: 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, Baylor, 5-1, and one. future Big 12 opponent, future Big 12 rival, post, possibly. David Smoke, host on Sikkim 365 Radio, joins us next to talk BYU and Baylor. Stay with us.